If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hot! Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Radio and War Chant TV. Good to be with you as always. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. You doing all right? Pretty good? Tom has a perplexed look on his face. <laughs> We're off to a flying start. I just hadn't heard you through the microphone in long enough that it sounded different than the phone. Yeah, it does sound a little bit different to the phone. It's got this weird sound sometimes to it where it sounds a little distorted, too, uh, which is frustrating. I don't know what that's about. Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, but I think we're coming in loud and clear to the radio audience, which is what matters, and coming in loud and clear for our audience on YouTube and Twitter and Facebooks and all the other things, all the other places where people sit around and listen to the Jeff Cameron Show or walk around or jog. Perhaps they're on a treadmill right now listening to the Jeff Cameron Show. Keep it going. You can do it. Maybe you're at Orange Theory listening to the Jeff Cameron Show. Probably not because you're listening to what the instructors and the coaches are telling you to do. Unless you're a pro's pro. You're like, I already know. Why don't you tell me, Phil? I'll run at my own pace. I'm listening to the Cameron Show. It's the most helpful conveyor belt in history is the treadmill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, treadmill is, uh, I'm buying one. 
from Orange Theory. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah, buying one. I'm uh, I'm putting it in the garage, which I fixed over the week. I was a uh oh wait buddy, a the weekend the, the, this weekend this was the most uh, productive I've ever been. Like I I had a lot of to do lists, and you know how it can get away from you. Long weekends, lazy weekends can turn quickly into golf and other things. The next thing you know, you're like ah maybe next weekend. Not this guy. I got it all done. Moved tons of stuff. There's something freeing about throwing things away. And boy, did I throw a lot of things away. There's probably some things that I shouldn't have thrown away that my wife's still waiting to find. At some point, I'll hear it. Where's the... Mm, that was weeks ago, hun. But uh, they made their way off to the great dump in the sky. Those items I finally pulled the trigger on. It's a beautiful thing. Where's my gift certificate to Birdines? <laughs> Birdines, that is good. They just reopened. Uh, so okay, man. Uh, it's Balls McWednesday. It's good to be back uh, doing the JCS. Did seminal headlines yesterday. That was fun too. Good to have you back, Tommy. Uh, what a what a what a disappointment. What a devastating turn of events. I'll begin with uh, congratulations uh, to the golf team for reaching the final four. Uh, but but it it certainly is brutal to get there and be in a commanding position against a rival like Florida with an opportunity uh, to go to uh, play for a national championship today and to come up short. It's one of those things that in the moment infuriates you. It still stings. I reached out to Coach Jones, Trey Jones, last night afterwards, and uh, he's hurting. He's hurting as one could suspect. Uh, but I... You know, the thing I will say is they came into the year barely inside the top 20. They were not thought to be a dominant team coming into the season. And what they ended up figuring out was, in essence, that they have a really, really good freshman class. <laughs> They've got a group of freshmen that you're going to love. Um, you know, the men and the women entered match play uh, as the only two programs to have both their men's and women's teams reach the final eight. Uh, so Florida State Golf is in a good place. Um, it's the second time in three years that they've reached the quarterfinals. Um, then they get to the semis this year. Uh, you know, you end up, what, they had tournament wins. They had individual, four different individual champions. Clanton was the first FSU freshman to win an NCAA regional when he shot six under out in California. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of good, but it doesn't feel like it. That's the hard part. It's like there's so much good where if you were looking big picture, you'd be like, all right, we really started to get more consistent. The guys we're bringing in are of higher caliber. We're going to be, yeah, but you're up two with three to play. You're up two with three to play. And, and Brett Roberts loses to Ricky Castillo. Well, and it's not just him. Everybody, no, of course not. Everybody who lost took a turn making either a calamitous decision or execution of a shot was just so poor that you're left gobsmacked. And uh, there were a couple of matches. You know, like, there's a freshman who is greenside on 18. He's in the bunker. He chunks the out of the bunker. It's it's left in the rough, and he's going to make bogey, and he loses one up on the 18th hole. That is a freshman making a mistake. I'm right. a little bit more okay with that than the finish to the Roberts match. Uh, but then also against the individual national champion, Biondi, Cole Anderson goes wayward on 17, a drivable par four. He gets the drop of a lifetime because it's yeah, sitting up the against bush. the car path and, <laughs> yeah. and the flower bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he could drop 
towards the fairway and not over into the it's desert. A gift. It's a gift. Yeah. Because of the pin position, he's afforded this opportunity. And it's a it's an unbelievable opportunity. And the Golf Channel coverage goes away from that match just long enough for him to chunk his second, even though he's got a pitch that's straight ahead, straight in yeah. front of him. Yeah. It's, 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 listen, when, the, the, the kids in that position felt the weight of that when you're, and failed. Yeah. When you're greenside off the tee and you come away with a bogey at that level, that's just... There's no other way to explain it than the pressure got to you. Oh, there's, and, yeah, that there's no doubt about that. Um, and that happened to the three the three losers yesterday. Um, it's just tough. The, the The hard part is, and and I was keeping a live thread going on the Warchant.com message boards during this because this is a sport that is near and dear to my heart, and Trey Jones is a friend. But the hard part is when you helicopter in and you say he should have done this or he should have done that. You don't watch a kid for the entire year. You don't know what his strengths are, or his weaknesses are. It is very difficult, even with all that said, to see a kid go three wood off the tee on 17, hit the green, and have you know a birdie, an eagle putt from makeable range, and you go iron, iron. I get that. It's frustrating from the outside. But I'm telling you on the tee, because Trey's on the tee with Roberts, they're thinking about what's the easiest way for us to make birdie, and that is to go iron, wedge, and then make your, make your putt. This has often been said by Trey Jones, Brooks Kepka's first major, and Aaron Hills was this way. You got to be aggressive within your game plan. Yeah. And sometimes that's not taking driver off the tee, but it was no matter how you want to slice it, excruciating to watch. And you kind of blew it. You did. Uh, the weight producing poor shots in critical moments is the equivalent of a choke. And people don't like to use the word, but it's true. Whether it's applicable to a freshman or a junior or anybody in that situation, it's not to suggest that, uh, Everybody's immune to that and should be immune to that, especially not freshmen. Um, but it is nonetheless frustrating. I think most of the time when we're talking about golf here and having learned exactly the way that they they map out round strategies, as you just alluded to, uh, for each individual golfer based on those strengths and uh, what they hit well, what they don't hit well, what they do uh, at an elite level, what they don't do at an elite level. If you're an elite uh, short iron player, and you're a plus putter, and you're average off the tee, the play is not to go for it off the tee because you aren't consistently good at that element of your game. So you're not suddenly going to change it in order to to uh, make a go of something that uh, you did not uh, in the previous rounds or that you did not discuss prior. You, you're just not going to do it. Well, and the other hard part is— You weren't is, chasing there. Again, the coverage wasn't shot for shot on 16. Yeah. But you can't bogey 16 being two up with three to go. No. It, you it, make three pars and you win the match. That's what that's going to be the way. If you make a birdie by by accident, then great. Center of the greens, even if it's two-tier, who gives a damn? You're, you're a college golfer at this level. Yeah. You two-putt, and you force the guy to make three birdies to beat you. Yeah, it sucks. Um, you know, and then you, you see what happens. You end up in a situation where your approach is such that you have to give the read to Ricky Castillo. It was over as soon as it as soon as it landed there. I went, well, he's screwed. That's it. He's going to show him the read, and they're good enough. He's just going to see where he where it goes and follow that path. And there it is. I mean, that was uh, a gift um, because your approach shot wasn't as good as your opponent's. I was glued to the couch. I was for that five and a half hours, and that's you know for. Three and a half, four of them, maybe four and a half hours. You felt very, very good that we'd be talking about, hey, buddy, off the Play air for probably. The national title, yeah. Where do you want to go watch the national championship match today? Well, and what also ends up happening is when you're the lower seeded team and you, um, you know, you, you go on a run like you did and then you put yourself in that position, everything else gets lost, including your win over Illinois. 
Um, you know, that was a, a great performance. Uh, you, you know, you found a way to win in that situation where they have an elite player who you knock off as well. So, you know, uh, it's, and you have a freshman dominate against a Florida player in six and five. And, you know, the one you didn't think you'd get was from Frederick Ketrup, who did nothing but suck out here in, uh, and until that win. And that came out of nowhere. He's out here shooting 78s and not looking like he's ever played golf. And then he gets that win. Well, and he's up two on 17 T and takes driver out, which is, I think, reckless, but it worked. Yeah, it, it worked. Yeah, he drove the green. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating. They lose uh, Final Four. It is for them. And we'll see if they're consistently good again uh, next year. They have all those freshmen coming back, and they're all really good. And if you talk about the ability to learn from those moments, we talk about when we watch pro golf all the time, you watch guys fall all over themselves, even people who've won. Um, but a lot of times an elite golfer, you'll see blow two, three stroke lead on the back nine. And you're watching them fall to pieces, the closer they get to the finish line. And you'll hear the former players that are analysts say, got to learn how to win. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, you're dealing with adrenaline. You're dealing with almost the, the, the fear of, of realizing your dreams. Like here it is on a tee. You've got it. You're up to with five to play, but the guy on your heels in the case of beyond, he's the number one who just won the national championship. It's not like he's scared. He's not going to get nervous. He just won the national championship in singles. So you turn around and you see that in the pros all the time. You watch a guy who's not one on tour and John Rahm's trailing him by two strokes before to play. Well, this ain't going to be easy. Yeah, it's. I mean, that applies to all sports. It's 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 easier. Protecting. It's easier in team sports, though. It, it's that's the thing about individual sports is there's nobody else. And I know golf, college golf is a team sport, but you're an individual going yeah. one on one. But still, you can see a difference between a team that is protecting something versus hunting something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, look at 2013 and 2014 from the Knowles, and you could say that on the field it was obviously different, but I'm sure their habits also reflected that, you know, they don't have to hunt it down anymore. They mm -hmm. are. They have arrived. And if you allow that to guide your way, then you're going to go astray in team sports. And if you think you need to protect something, Maybe that changes your decision when you're 150 out in the fairway or your intensity level or your focus. It's a lesson learned, but that was a brutal lesson to watch because it was happening in slow motion over the course of an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a long time. And when when it got to two to one and then the match was tied up to make it, you were like, Oh, they're they're not going to win. They're not going I texted you. I was like, This is and he missed the putt that he could have buried. Castillo gave him the opening. He yeah. missed the putt, and that was it. That was it. So I gotta give Doobie credit. He gave me the uh Countdown to Florida State kickoff 95 days for Florida State specifically. And it's the Bjorn Warner number. Von Stryker indeed for those that remember the days. And I've always appreciated about Bjorn Warner that he embraced the nickname that I gave him and embraced the whole thing. We had the audio clip for years. The, the radio show. The radio the show. Stryker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he's always been great about kind of making fun even of his own pro career which was uh, brief, to say the least. Um, obviously, to get drafted where he did, expectations were high. Got put in a weird situation in Indianapolis where they draft a guy to, and ask him to do something he never did in college. <laughs> What's kind of strange. What sucks is that, um, at least from our perspective in, in college, with NIL being what it is, we could have co-branded with Bjorn Werner for we, Von Stryker on here. The, yeah, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. We were a decade too early. Well, and he was uh, funny about it, always enjoyed it. 
And he gave me a pat on the back. I remember his big ass giving me a hug one time when I was trying to interview him. He's like, you're the one. You're the one who gave me the nickname. I'm like, yeah, I did. And Von Stryker was um, an evil badass in college. He was the ACC player of the year. And um, is most noted, I think, for the sack on Driscoll, which is the face-to-face, your head is going to snap back as I uh, envelop you. That's when we made the furious comeback. Florida had the ball for 20-odd minutes in the first half of that game. We turned it over four times, Mm. and we were going to win the game with four turnovers, but we turned it over a fifth. Yeah. Well, we we sent a quarterback back out there who had just been concussed. Mm. We said, the hell with that concussion. You get out there and do your little flippity-doo, turn it over thing. Agreed. He was awful before he was concussed in that game, too. But there was no chance after he was concussed to be good. I can promise you that. So. <laughs> Until the last play when he just decided to uh, run all over the field. And oh, yeah, right. Go, well, oh, there. Well, imagine that. Been reluctant to do that all year. That's I great know. to see it's still in you after our second loss. It was uh free national title handed out that year. Yeah, that was a, that was a toughie. That was uh, frustrating. But uh, nonetheless, what I like to do is uh, when we get inside of 100 like we are now, it's I, I don't do what we all do as Florida State fans. Everybody does the days until Florida State plays. I'm just such a big college football fan. I do days till college football starts. It's sooner. It, it gives you the better. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's earlier than when Florida State plays. You don't have 95 full days to wait. College football will be here before that. Embrace the hell out of that. Listen, I love the Knowles best, just like everybody else. But, man, we get out of that lost time in our lives, this meandering, never-ending summer, the second the camps start back up and the second college football is going to be played. The sooner the better, baby. Let's go. Yeah, and I really appreciate what is about to come this year because as long as you split in September, it's critical. We've, We've gone over that, how big of a month September is. But it's going to make us all appreciate the sport of college football across the board because what happens in the top 10 matters to us every single week. It always does. And that feeling of being in Tallahassee or being on the road and then you all get together at the tailgate or at the bar or wherever with your friends in a group text and you're talking about, hey, man, Alabama's slipping. It's late third quarter. Right, right, right. Look out. Or Georgia, you know, Georgia – if. They could lose once and still be fine, but man, they're already their one lost ass is losing to Tennessee right now. Hey guys, <laughs> turn turn it over right now. Turn it over to CBS. See what's going on. Yeah, and we, you just think about all the dominoes that fall around you. And you think, oh man, we could be a one seed, or we could be you know playing at the Rose Bowl or whatever. Like all of these things are going to be critically important as long as we don't have an offer in the two big games in September. Well, it's one of the things that. Uh, we're probably going to hammer a subject that we're just going to hammer over and over and over again about, you know, what are the games? I brought this up in passing yesterday. I, I, I think that we enter into um, a fun, intrigue-laden, intense, exciting, and important season. I think everybody gets that, right? I'm speaking to the obvious Everybody seems to have a pretty good grasp on all that's out before us, in front of us. What lays before us is opportunity and a a chance to dominate, a chance to really kind of go on a pseudo-revenge tour in a lot of ways, to achieve something that hasn't been done since 2014, 2015. That is to be uh, relevant, talked about on a weekly basis, to be in a position to play and prime time 
against, uh, you know, uh, expectations of perhaps winning a conference championship and going to the college football playoff. That's that's every week, right? That we expect these things to be in play. The other thing that happens is a little less enjoyable, and that is that you now ratchet up the intensity of focus on the finer details of your program. Um, I always find fighting to get back to a place of extreme relevance to be more fun uh, along the way. That is to say it's easier when you go in with lessened in terms of expectations, lesser expectations. I don't like to live in that world because I like being elite, but it's easier every Saturday when you're striving towards something that seems a million miles away because every incremental um, points of progress or something to latch onto. That's not true anymore. Now when you win a game against a team you're heavily favored to beat, all you do is pick apart the win and not appreciate any of that, which I understand. That comes with the territory. You're not a victim of your own success. I say that all the time on the show. But it's less enjoyable, if I'm being honest. It's less enjoyable to beat somebody 35 to 10 and to not have even a second of appreciation for it, but rather man, we're going to have to get better at this. We're going to have to get better at this. If we do not, we will not win this championship, of which we are striving uh, on a weekly basis to put ourselves in a position to do. Now, I don't care. I've done all of these things, every step along the way and everything in between in my 25 years of being on the air and then more than that in fandom. Just telling you what I like more and what's a little bit easier on on the on the collective uh Constitution, right? It's it's just a little bit easier when it's like, oh, they're better. They're getting better. Oh, they're even better. They took another step this weekend. Ain't too many steps this team has to take. They're that close to being out of steps. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the ride is fun, but the ride has an end date too. You can't always do that. You have you can't to can't be on a perpetual ride. You yes. got to do something. Got to pay it off. Yes, and uh, not to use the term from a couple head coaches ago, but yeah, you got to pay it off. And and to me, I liken it to the Buccaneers going from you know, out of the playoffs to having Tom Brady as the quarterback in one offseason, and it completely changes the way that you consume the regular season when Tom Brady is your quarterback. And you're playing for keeps at that point. Well, yes, you're, yeah. this is it. I mean, it's a signal. You don't go get that guy unless you are thinking Super Bowl or bust. And we talked about that on the Scuttlebucks, which is it Super Bowl or bust? Of course it is. This team, I think, is playoff or bust. I have a lot of fun with the baseline understanding that you're really good, but what are the details that are going to put you over the top? I enjoy those conversations. I enjoy that ride. Yes, I don't jump and do backflips when they score their second touchdown of the game anymore. It wasn't that long ago that we did. Oh, my God, we've got 21 points in the first half. I mean, I, it could all be over now, and I'd die a happy man. We've done it. Now it's, okay, yeah, we did win 31-10. to 10. There were three turnovers. That yeah, can't stop. happen. When, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Can't, I like that conversation. I think that's fun. I like all of the conversations centered around expectations of greatness. I'm not going to suggest otherwise. I am, however, noting that it is a much easier Saturday afternoon when you're on the climb as opposed to protecting uh, elite levels of achievement, right? Like where, you're, where you have no room to make a mistake. That's all. Yeah, the thing I'd say, too, and you, you knew this when we went the distance in 2013 and, and won. I would enjoy that more than you did because of the lost decade. Yeah. Well, these poor children and recent graduates <laughs> of Florida State, if we could find a way to go on that journey this year, kids, you're in for the ride of a lifetime, something that I can't fathom. I had it pretty bad 
you've had it worse. If they go all the way to the playoff, and let's say they make it to that championship game, they don't even have to win the whole thing. These kids won't know what to do with themselves. You know, if you're a junior or a senior at Florida State, you came here to a basketball school and were disappointed by that, but you might walk out of here like the good old days. It's going to be the fall of your life. Just buckle buckle in for it. I will also say, and we've got plenty to to talk about on this subject, by the way, I think it's it, it's a, a wrestling match within the Florida State community as to what a great season is going to entail this year and what should or should not be appreciated. I love whenever the people, everybody tells you what you should or shouldn't appreciate. I mean, I got my perspective on that, and obviously there are extremes on either side of that. It's like undefeated or nothing for some people, and oh, by the way, if they go 11-2, and two, including a win in the ACC championship game, which is what you'd have to do to go 11-2 and two, unless you don't make it to the ACC championship game and win a bowl game. But if, if you were to do that, how could you ever be angry about 11-2 and two the year after going 10-3 and three after where we've been? Well, you could. You'd be angry if your two losses are to LSU and Clemson, and, uh, you know, you didn't play anybody else really worth note. Now, granted, you would have, you know, avenged that loss uh, or somewhere in there uh, to get to 11 wins probably. But if your regular season is 10-2 and two, and those are your two losses and you go to a nice bowl but not a great bowl and you win that and go 11-2, and two, that's not the same as winning the ACC and knocking off Clemson for the first time since 2014. Oh, look, you know, not all bowls and bowl feelings are created equal, and we know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look at the two times in the past decade we went to Atlanta. One was against South Carolina. We were on the ride. Everybody was in. That was a nine-win team, a kickoff of that Peach Bowl. Nine wins. And we were all thrilled to be there. Five years later, you're playing Houston. And we were bored. And we were bored. And they cared deeply. Yes, they did. Houston cared deeply. They were thrilled, and we were yawning. You know, So it, it just doesn't always feel that way. There was the Northern Illinois Bowl game, which was, ugh. Just terrible. And then there's Auburn for the national championship. Not all these things are created the same. Hopefully we don't have one of those hollow-feeling bowl games this year, and it's actually the thing that everybody's talking about for weeks. I, You know, time was that we got sick of people talking about Florida State in the national media. Now we're like, oh, my God, they did a whole segment on us. I want to get back to that time. <laughs> yeah, what makes me laugh about that, though, is that every time that Florida State reenters the national discussion, because they're now that kind of prominent and they matter again, people fall all over themselves to figure out how to offend this fan base. Because, <laughs> man, there's always, like, they're doing a special on these expectations for Florida State, which in and of itself is welcomed finally that we're back in that position. But, but God bless that poor narrator that screws up a stat or somehow misses or mispronounces a name. Like, these sons, see? Blatant disrespect. It's hilarious. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to The Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com.
Jeff Kimmerson, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. You don't have to wait all that long uh, to go from having zero expectations to uh, national championship (laughs) expectations, as evidenced by last season. But when you, uh, when you, I think when you get outside the intense, hyper-focused Florida State fan base, like just the the element within the fan base. Uh, it's interesting. I went to, I went to a, a get together over the weekend. Um, one of our neighbors down the street had a little thing where they barbecued and everything like that. Said, Late night on. rave. No. <laughs> so come on by, by the way. And that's a side note. I'll get back to raves later. Uh, so not, that, I've never been to one, but, I remember when that's they, surprising. No, they that was after my time. They raves became a thing uh, just after I finished school, I think. Um, and also, I dated a woman whose uh, brother, younger brother, was really into them when they were new up in Baltimore. And I remember thinking, "What are you talking about? You just go all night and dance around and take a bunch of drugs and wear rabbit suits and stuff? Like, what are you what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, and the music's loud. Eh, that's not, that's not like it's for me." You're just chewing on a lollipop and stuff? Like, what's, what's going on here? You got a pacifier? Now, this sounds strange. If you got to choose the music, you'd be in. No. The Cameron Rave. No. <laughs> let's let's get back to where, where I was going. Uh, I went to this thing. These are all season ticket holders. The vast majority of the people there were Florida State uh, season ticket holders. And uh, obviously, that's most of them were, most of them anyhow, were, were graduates or from Tallahassee, grew up here, whatever. And I... Many of them, of the people there, uh, did not knew, know what I did for a living, which was great. I laid back in the cut. These were like wives' friends type thing. These are know? not real Knowles. They're casual. They're casual. And so uh, I just listened to some of their conversations when it turned to football, and I was, I realized that uh, that's a whole segment of people that uh, – maybe don't perceive Florida State football the way that it is. You know, they, they're still stuck because of the bad seasons um, with this idea that last year was a crazy outlier and they felt so good just to go 10-3. and three. And there was a part of me that kind of was pissed by those losses, and I thought, eh, man, those three losses in a row, that wasn't cool at all. We, we can be a lot better than this. You know, low standards you got over here. What is this nonsense? That NC State game was a travesty. It's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing loss. There's no way around it. Humiliating, really. They had a kid that's like thrown one forward pass in his life and still won the game. It was humiliating. Almost as embarrassing as these grilled vegetables. This is ridiculous. This is awful. What kind of conversation you all having over here? I'm going to go home. You ever heard of salt? So I uh, I listened to all this and I was just kind of like, okay. So there's just all these. It was They're like, well, you know, and they were talking about the stadium renovations and what the future costs of season tickets were going to be. And like, there were a lot of people noting that they didn't want to spend a bunch of money just to watch us lose all the time. Like we always do. I was like, Whoa, man, over under 45 minutes. You were at this party. Well, I moved over to the other groups that seemed to have a better handle on the world. Uh, and, and so anyhow, I, but that is also a segment of the fan base that is kind of still, 
oblivious to the fact that Florida State has brought in reinforcements. Like, this is a good team. Like, legit good team. They think last year was kind of like, ah, oh, it was cool. You know, the schedule worked out for us. We went 10-3. and three. Weren't very good, but we went 10-3. and three. Talked to a very knowledgeable football fan who said, have, have you even considered that maybe you're not good at all? And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you didn't beat anybody. It was worth a damn besides LSU, and you barely did that. And it was the first game of the new coach and the new staff. Tried to lose that game too. I was like, okay. He was like, yeah, you might not be good at all. Look at your wins. Your wins are against ass. Okay. That's not entirely untrue. The vast majority of the wins last year were against ass. Oklahoma, ass. Florida, ass. Miami, ass. Syracuse, ass. Louisville ended up being pretty average. Miami? I said Miami. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's worth repeating. So I'm like, okay, okay. And now, uh, who is their fine football team? No, they were no, they were no. So I'm just were they or were yeah. they just reading box scores and not watching the difference? No, they were passive. They did not know the difference they were of passive, casual fans. Very passive, as in they napped. They napped through probably six or seven of those games because if you think it looks the same as the ass that came before it, you can't. And I don't know then that they. You are the ass. Yeah, I don't think they specifically thought that it looked the same as a five and seven or three win campaign. Uh, I'm just saying that I I don't. They're, if they're, they they if, weren't bought in. They they do not believe. I think they do represent a larger group of this fan base than you and I would be willing to maybe recognize initially or or even ponder. I, I think that's probably true. I think there are probably a lot of people who kind of looked at Florida State and went, uh, okay, nice, good not to suck. Certainly, this is preferable. Let's continue to grow. But they would be just as happy with. I'm saying our view of what this season should be and what a casual fan's view of what this season should be is very different. Like I, you and I are practice every day. We see the depth of this offensive line, the, the, the now talented wide receiver that didn't exist prior to last year. We see that they've upgraded a tight end room. A lot of these people aren't following transfer portal or recruiting. They yes. don't know that you brought in two Six four plus tight ends that are you know you got a six seven and Morlock and six seven and if six four and Bell and real talent there they don't know they don't know who Keon Coleman is who Florida State just added yes but then they also must not know what they're looking at for last year's twelve game slate if they're asserting that we're not any good at all because that doesn't make a, a hill of sense what they're asserting is that we're not ten and three good and there what? are plenty of people. There are plenty of people, and that includes those that cover it, that don't think Florida State's 10-3 and three good from a year ago. They think the wins are nonsense. Admittedly, when you lose three in a row, and one of them is to Wake and one of them is to Clemson, and you're, you know, got a, you got a terrible loss against an NC State team who wasn't very good, you could make an argument that Florida State is not. Well, I'd, I'd ask them, what does 10-3 and three look like in your mind? What is it supposed to look like? Because whose schedule is littered with the best of the best? Like the SEC isn't even as littered with talent as I'm I'm sure that they'd say, well, you go through an SEC schedule, you go ten and three. I mean, how many good teams are you playing? Honestly, if you assess it, if LSU was good enough to be the West champion last year, is this conference as deep as the world wants to talk about? It is from an NFL draft perspective, but week to week of what team is good, I just don't know how the hell you get to ten and three and please somebody. Uh what did LSU finish last year? I think the fans would be pretty pleased with that, right? I don't know what 
they did win the lost West. Lost a sorry ass Florida State, who's not any good at all. Only well, three other teams they played that were good. They lost now, to Florida State 24 23 in the first game of a new staff. They lost on the road against, or they got blown out by Tennessee, who had an incredible season. And they lost, uh, they got beat by 20 by Georgia, did drop 30 on them in the SEC championship game. I don't know. I think they feel like that's pretty good because they've got some nice wins in there, including a win over Alabama. A lot of trash wins, though. You know, like, I mean, a lot of easy wins, layups. It's garbage. <laughs> you know, they only played three, four teams worth of damn. They went 500 against them. But I think what's interesting is that you're offended by it as opposed to. Well, I just don't know if you're noting a, that that Florida State's wins are not over good teams last year. Period. Uh, no, but I am. A, I'm coming from the perspective of if you're saying they're not any good. Like, where are you sure that you're any good at all? Well, hang on a damn minute. Yeah, no, are no, you no, a no. season ticket holder or not? Do you sell those tickets to somebody else and then go fishing on Saturdays? No, I think that would make more sense. Not any good is wrong. Not real good is the debate. Uh, I real think good. I think they're going to be real good. This year, I don't think they were real good. Real last good year. teams smoke other teams. Yeah, yeah, they do. And we did. When's the last time we had that many blowouts in a season? Oh, it's been a minute. We were vastly improved. If we're eking out a roadie at Syracuse, if we're eking out home games against Georgia Tech and a road game against Miami, I mean, if that's twenty-four to twenty-three, Florida State over right. Miami, then you, okay, you agree with that? I'll hear you. But this team was capable of absolutely ending a game by halftime yeah. for more than a month's worth of football last year. That is better than not any good or not good. Is it real good? It's a hell of a lot better than it used to be. I agree it's a hell of a lot better than it used well, to define be. Define real good. Is, it, is that reserved for SEC uh, championship game combatants? Okay, the ranked teams you played last year are LSU, you beat 24-23. They weren't ranked at the time. You played Wake Forest and lost to them at home here in Tallahassee. You lost to NC State, who was ranked at the time, but we know their backup quarterback. It's a bad loss. Good. There is no getting around that. Bad loss. And you lost at home again to Clemson. You didn't play another ranked team the rest of the year. So any ranked team you played, you lost to, other than LSU, who at the time, again, wasn't ranked. So I get, I'm saying I get where people are coming from. I don't think they realize how good Florida State is. My point is they don't realize how good Florida State is because if you're a casual fan of any fan base, let's say you're a casual college football fan, you would pick up probably, you know, uh, Phil Steele's magazine, which I think comes out either this week or early next, and you'd be like, well, they played these ranked teams and lost to them all. Right. No, this is here, – here's the difference. I've got no issue with a fan who lives in Tuscaloosa – or lives in Los Angeles, and they say these things about Florida State. But if you live in Tallahassee, and you may or may not have season tickets or a half-season ticket package, and you still come to that conclusion, I'm concerned for your mental well-being. Where I think, and it depends on what they view as a reasonable expectation, this whole discussion is about what is reasonable to expect for Florida State based on the talent that they have, the season they just had, and the schedule that they are faced with. I I think it's realistic to suggest you can't do any worse than 10 and 2. The expectation should be that high. It should be, absolutely. And I know your belief is that if they don't win the ACC, it's not a good season. Period. Yeah, this you got to make the playoff this year. This I mean, if, All right. All right. So it's playoff or bust for, for me, you. So yeah. this gets back to again, we're judging against that expectation, against that backdrop. 
So every week is a different and more thorough examination because only four teams make the playoff. There's a lot of teams playing college football. Only four are going to get there. So if you don't make it and that is your expectation, this is a disappointing season, then what you're doing with each game, like the one against Southern Miss or the one against Boston College, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Wake, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, Hell, Florida this year, uh, all of them, you're saying, I have championship-level expectations for you. You better play like that. I better see that kind of – I mean, look, we ought to – we did hammer Boston College year. I ought to hammer Boston College on the road this year. I ought to hammer Virginia Tech when they come here. I ought to crush Southern Miss in week two right after the LSU game. I ought to hammer uh, Pitt and Miami and North Alabama. Those teams don't have the talent, the depth, or the speed. Yeah, I agree. The Pitt one, because of where it falls in the schedule. Yeah, I, But, yes, if you put lineup against lineup in a vacuum, sure. I agree with all on all and of course, counts. We, and, of course, we all know that if you if you have injuries or whatever, I mean, that things change. Right, if Jordan goes down, yeah, then, yeah it, everything changes. completely changed. So you're expecting a lot of blowouts, and I think that's fair. I agree with that. There are a lot of people in this fan base who are not expecting that. They are going to be pleasantly surprised. I believe that. We're on the same page here. I yeah. believe Florida State is really good. I believe Florida State's on the cusp of waking those in their slumber up from Florida State doesn't matter or maybe they're just kind of top 25. No, no, Florida State's top 10. Florida State's going to kick a lot of people's asses. Florida State need only win one of the two against LSU and Clemson to put themselves in a position to make the college football playoff. Yeah, and I think it's fair to take in the question of I don't believe that or, or the argument that I don't believe they're playoff good. Okay, that's fair. But if there's an undertone of their frauds, good Christmas. I mean, well, that, now that is that is alarming. If you live here in this city or you attend all of these games, I don't know what the hell you're looking at. Must be the scoreboard uh, and for the paint job, not for what's actually being played on the screen. I, I just don't get that. How do you look at last year's evidence and not see not incremental improvement, exponential improvement. Oh, well, I think you can do both. I think you can see exponential improvement. You can recognize the Florida State is a far cry from where they were two, three, four years ago without question and also say they play in an ass-sorry conference and they had a lot of wins against bad teams. I think, I think you can do that. Like you, We may not agree, if but you, I'm saying yes. I think you could do that. If you could do that without having an undertone that you believe they're frauds, then okay, I'll hear that. But I just <laughs> that is some barbecue talk that I, man, oh, man. I, I listened. To... I did a lot of listening. I, I pointed out, made some corrections. When the, I don't allow folks to just throw around erroneous facts, like things that aren't that never happened, like things that broad? Are, things that aren't accurate. You know, I, I will correct that. Other than that, talk amongst each other. That's fine. Just don't just be floating things out here that never happened or that aren't true. Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, Orchard TV. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com.
continues to be uh, the rumor that Colorado will be on their way out and Arizona to follow, huh? I've seen that a lot over the last 24 hours. I just I don't really care if it's uh, an accurate rumor or not. I want as much buzz in the air about uh, teams potentially leaving one conference and going to another as possible on a daily basis. I'd like that to be an omnipresent conversation. I'd like to hear that at all times. Yeah, I think the it would make sense for Colorado and Arizona, and I maybe Arizona State by extension, to to go to a conference at the level of the Big Twelve. It's not the titan of the sport as the Big Ten or the SEC is going to be. Yeah. But the Big 12, is, if that happens, will be putting together a robust conference for the next 20 to 30 years. Like that is, that is a good collection of programs and markets to make themselves something that's clear far and away better than what we're in from a monetary standpoint, whatever the remnants of the Pac-12 are. But the sooner that a Pac-12 team defects yeah, somewhere, the better. The better, because then... Oregon, Washington are going to be tied to the Big Ten. I said this last week. I really, I fully expect a story to come out. This is just from watching it, not not from knowing anything inside. But that the Big Ten would offer Oregon and Washington a partial share for a period of time. The Big Twelve <laughs> yeah. would offer a full share immediately, and then that's the decision that those two programs are going to have to make. And then hopefully that fosters a spirit of expedience from the SEC to move things along. Yeah, pressure. Pressure. You want lots of pressure on the big wigs and rulers of college football, which are ESPN, Fox, Big Ten, SEC. That that's there it is in a nutshell. You want pressure. You want them to feel like one's trying to get over on the other, and if they don't act before the other makes their move, they fall further behind. You want that to be uh, a pressure cooker uh, where you put so much heat on those in a position of power that they feel compelled to act. And uh, you know. I, that's what this does to me. I don't. Every day there's another rumor about a team wanting to come or go at this conference or that. I I just look at it from Florida State standpoint, the ACC standpoint, and what would be in our best interest. And it would be again uh, for for mass shuffling to continue. Well, ESPN didn't want to see NBC pick up the Big Ten. I know Notre Dame didn't either. Ha! Hmm. But I know that they wanted some Big Ten presence in addition to owning everything SEC. But you could see where by the end of this, something, you know, if there's expansion for both conferences, and let's say there's new inventory for the SEC because Florida State, Clemson, and maybe another team or two go that way, then maybe you offer that up to Fox and you say, look, you want an SEC game of the week? It'll be the fourth choice, third or fourth choice, but you will now have some SEC presence. We want a little bit of Big Ten. We're going to miss that. So how about if you go grab some more teams in the Pacific? We'll put the Big Ten on at night on our network at 10 o'clock or something. I think that's what's going to happen here. You just need to get these guys on a golf course or in a boardroom sooner so they can have a couple of cocktails and just hammer it all out. Because I think eventually when it does happen, it won't take that long. It'll be a 10-minute handshake agreement talk, and boom, we're done. The articles written last week in both The Athletic, I saw something on The Ringer, I saw something, I think it was SI, uh, there have been constant conversations about the value that would be added to either the Big Ten or the SEC with programs like Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. The debate centered around how much value is there in an Oregon or a Washington and teams like that. Um, these these conversations are ones I more lock in on uh, because I, I don't know that we're going to see much more movement in the, in the short term here, obviously, but I think if there is any, it would be on the real assets of the game. And Unlike 
uh, a clearly motivated Paul Feinbaum. Uh, we recognize what Florida State and Clemson, and maybe to a lesser degree, Miami are as assets to either of those two leagues. But I think we all agree, because they're free agents, it's the Pacific assets that must go first in order to create that pressure cooker. Yeah, it's looking that way, and, and they're up for grabs because of their own dissolvement. I mean, the Pac-12 is in shambles, and uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody's got their hand out. Hey, little help, little life raft. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.